Hello, and welcome to the Golden Thread Conversations. I am your host, Judy Murdoch, and today my guest is Glenda Goodrich, or Gigi. She is a mixed media artist, art doula, soul collage facilitator, and devoted practitioner of the Vision Quest Ceremony. She uses a soulful, grounded approach, along with an open heart, to guide others in exploring their creative potential. She offers a variety of creative arts workshop, uh, creative arts workshops, including her most recent offering, 13 Moons, Art and Soul Collage Quest, which use, uses art in a playful way to explore the 13 juicy life questions. Um, and this workshop is based on her newly released book, Solo Passages, or Solo Passage, 13 Quests, 13 Questions. So, Glenda, welcome. Thank you, Judy. It's good to be here. Yeah. I was I was telling Glenda before we started to record that um, I have read the introduction to her book, and she's got quite the story. Quite the story, Glenda. Yeah. Yes. So, and, yes, and very, very worth, very, very inspiring, very worth reading. Thank you. That's great to hear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, the first first thing I, I love to ask people about is, um, you know, in the Golden Thread Conversations, the, the name came from, um, actually it was given to me by an ancestral guide. And the thing I really love about the Golden Thread idea is I I love the this idea that there are our gifts and the things we really care about, like as we look back on our life, um, I I feel they show up as a golden thread. Like you can see glints of the gold mm -hmm. throughout your life and you can kind of see how, you know, even at times where you feel perhaps you had taken off on a tangent or you were you were in a very unproductive place you know, like you're still being guided. So I would love to hear, um, you know, what gifts and values have emerged for you and, and tell me just a little bit about your background, because I, I really don't know that much about your history other than, you know, sort of the, the work you've done in art and healing right now. Yes. Uh, I was <laughs> born in Illinois in the Midwest, the youngest of four. And when I was four years old, we moved to California. So I grew up in California. Um, and one of the golden threads in my life, of course, is like many kids spending time in nature. We had a ravine across the street. I lived in a East San Francisco East Bay Area suburb. Mm -hmm. And across the street was not developed yet. So there was a ravine with a creek mm -hmm. and um you know, kind of a canopy of alder trees and blackberries and, mm. you know, pollywogs and frogs. So I spent hours and hours over there as a kid. And um, partly, like any kid, curiosity, but also partly as respite, because my father was an alcoholic. So we had a lot of um, dysfunction and chaos in our home. And my mother was usually um stifling anger and so it just you know wasn't the the most 
comfortable place, but over in that ravine, it was. So it was sort of questing, you know, finding respite out in nature (laughs) way back when. Yeah, yeah. Like, as I'm listening to you, it's bringing happy memories for me, too, about when I was growing up in those undeveloped Uh areas. Yeah. Yeah. I think people in our age, our generation, we got to be gone for hours and hours and nobody worried about where we were unless we weren't home for dinner. And so um, I'm I'm really grateful for that opportunity. Um, And, you know, I was kind of a lost teenager. I remember once I got straight A's just to see if anybody would pay any attention to that. Um, but mostly I was kind of a juvenile delinquent in a way. And um, I got pregnant at 16 and got married right away because uh, in our my family, if you wanted the baby, that meant you married the father. Otherwise, you were going to give the baby up or heaven forbid, have an abortion, which was hardly even talked about back then. So um, had my son and um, had to drop out of high school because back then you couldn't go to school pregnant. But when he was born, I went to night school and got my high school diploma. And um, so I was a, you know, a young mother going to school and um, I went into to, um, nursing school, licensed vocational nursing school. Honestly, not because I wanted to be a nurse, but because my sister-in-law wanted to be a nurse. Mm. And I thought, oh, that sounds good. I'll do that. She was getting a lot of attention from um, my husband's parents, that family, for, you know, that noble intention to become a nurse. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And I was a nurse for probably maybe nine or 10 years. I was not cut out for it. Just didn't bring me a lot of happiness. Um um, for a lot of reasons, looking back. And um, so I went to work in doctor's offices and then kind of transitioned over into more the business aspect okay. of healthcare and went back to school. Um, we, I was living in Southern Oregon at the time. And so I went to um, Southern Oregon. It was a state college back then and got my degree in business, went to school. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and then I transitioned into human resources, and that was the bulk of my career. But all through those years, I was very creative. Um, that's the other golden thread. My mother was an artist, and um, I was always loving to make things, you know, clothes or um, decorating the house, all kinds of creative aspects. But it wasn't until... I hit my 40s that I really started to pursue learning about art. So I'm self-taught. Um, I don't have a degree. I sometimes, I used to lament about that until one of my friends with a degree said, believe me, you're better off without a degree. Mm-hmm. All they do is tell you what your art should be, could be, or yes. you know what makes good work. So I, I really took that to heart and I kind of changed my feeling about um, you know, applying myself and just taking workshops I wanted to take yeah. to learn the type of art I wanted to learn. And so I've been, so I'm 72. Um, so I've been, you know, since I was, since I moved um, to uh, Salem when I was 42. 
So I've been here for 30 years and all through those years, I've been doing my own art as well as teaching. So now I work one-on-one -on -one with people. That's the art doula that you, you read, you mentioned. Thank yeah. you. And I work in groups a lot for um, helping people explore their innate creativity. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of us, especially people um, who are older, I guess, but really everybody. Now that I'm now that I'm saying that, um, they don't think that they're creative. Right. Yeah, think, well, I'm not an artist. I hear that a lot. Right. So my joy is helping people realize, yeah, well, you are. It's just a question of finding what brings you joy. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be visual art. That's what I teach. Um, right. Ceramic painting, collage, um, shrine making, um, the kintsugi ceremony process. So, um, yeah, I just kind of came by it naturally. I did not set out with this, mm. uh, you know. And now I have a studio in my home, which I love. It's the down-to-earth studio. And, um, and then I wrote my book. So, and it was published in September of last year and it is um you know through the years since i turned 50 i've been going on wilderness vision quests i've been on 16 of them now wow oh my gosh yeah it's kind of my annual church not kind of it is my annual church and that's very cool i, I wrote the book about the first 13 of them so wow glenda okay so i really want i want you to talk a little bit about your your book too. No, I really, I would really like you to um, share more about the book because um, I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, I only read the introduction that was on Amazon just because I wanted to get a better idea of what your book was about and what you had done. Um, and I, I just was like, wow, <laughs> this, this woman, my God, um, you you have done some things that I would not do. Um, I might say <laughs> I aspire to doing something like that. Um, but yeah, please, like, would you you share? Uh, just like, let's just start with what, like, what inspired you to do a book? Not everybody. I mean, taking a book, yeah. writing a book, is kind of daunting. Mm -hmm. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to take on. So. Um, yeah. What was the what was in you that told you like I should write a book about this? Well, it was on a vision quest that it came to me. Yeah. Cool. Um, I with every quest, um, there's a process, and you go out with a specific intention and a question and a prayer, mm -hmm. and uh, one of my quests. Uh, I wanted to think about being a grandmother, was a grandmother, and I wanted to deepen that role, mm, right? How, yeah. how could I make a difference, more of a difference for my grandchildren? And now I'm also a great grandmother. But when I went on that quest, um, I wasn't a great grandmother yet. And uh, I didn't know any of my grandparents. And so part of that quest was understanding the importance of leaving a legacy mm -hmm. for my descendants. And as I began thinking about the book, I really started to feel like a bridge 
between my ancestral lineage and those that would come in the future, including the ones that have yet, you know, to join us. Yes. Many generations. And um, two reasons. I wanted my loved ones to know who I am, who I was, you know, and I just wanted them to understand about the value of time alone in nature, Mm -hmm. the healing and restorative powers Mm -hmm. that the earth brings us and, you know, wondering if there will still be wilderness when they're a septuagenarian. Yeah. Hoping upon hope that there will be, but if there's not, you know, I have a a memoir, a legacy project for them. Mm. So it was a labor of love and it was just a notion, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't let me go. And I don't, I'm not an author. Well, I am now. (laughs) I can't say that, but at the time, it's like, I'm not even an author. I wouldn't even know how to start to write a book. And so um, I just started taking writing classes, Mm. really dedicated myself for four years to um, a writing studio up in Portland, Oregon, which is about an hour of where I live. Every week I went up there for a, a six hour, um, you know, writing seminar and workshop. And um, they call it workshopping where you read your work and then you get feedback. So I just started from scratch. And then I spent two, so I did that for about three and a half years. And then I, started writing my stories, very rough draft form, and um, also worked with a a mentor, a writing mentor, a coach, who was also a vision quest guide. Oh, that's really cool. Susan Hagen and down in Santa Rosa, California. So it was perfect because she was a writing teacher and a coach. So once I got the stories down, then it was a question of, you know, turning it into a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the arc of the the storyline, you know, um, the transformation of the protagonist, me, yes. from the beginning of the book to the end, because a good memoir is going to have that, yes. Uh, yes, you know, where the character actually changes in some way. And I have in so many ways. Right. So it was a labor of love for sure. And it was excruciating at times. Was it? Yeah, it was like, when did it get hard? It got hard when I started um, writing a lot about my childhood experiences. Yeah. And my, I had been, I've been married twice and they were not healthy relationships. And so flashbacks about that mistakes I'd made with my children. So in each quest, there's a gift from nature that would pull me back into something from my childhood to, to relook at and, um, you know, just reflect on and, and find some meaning, making meaning out of a lot. That was a lot of it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, So I can't believe I did it. I can't believe I wrote (laughs) a book. (laughs) But there, you have physical evidence now, don't you? I do. It's so cool. It's And I've gotten some wonderful emails and texts from people. It's just quite gratifying that your book could make a difference for someone. You know, people ask me, how would I, how would I go on a vision quest if I wanted to, you know, thank you for writing about this. Your story is every woman's story. 
Um, so it's yeah. really been, it's really been, um, after I got over my vulnerability hangover, yeah, I've just been so uh, humbled and yeah. just really, uh, so much love, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really like, I, I relate really well to the, that concept of vulnerability hangover. Cause it is. I think it's Brene Brown that quoted that. It's not my, yeah, but, but boy, does it describe it, doesn't it? Oh yeah. You put something out there, you put your true, your truth out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's very real, which is why people relate. And it's also, gosh, you know, it's in writing. My infidelity is in writing for those descendants to (laughs) their great, great, great grandmother, Um, that kind of thing. And, you know, who among us is perfect? Raise your hand, right? I mean, <laughs> I think perfect people are boring to be perfect. I <laughs> yes, I, I think I do. The kind I, of <laughs> I think that our like our imperfections um, and mistakes and all of the things, you know, like in some ways, it's a well that makes a well lived life. Different yeah, things. right. And I think too, like that to me is like, like, like the the word that came to me as you were you were talking earlier was like like it feels to me like you're stepping into elderhood so you you are being a true elder like you were being i don't know if you you see yourself as a matriarch of your family but um you know like really kind of stepping into that role and um i our our culture we do a terrible job of doing anything really to help people as we age to instead of like resisting it or doing everything possible to sort of like negate it if you will like there's a lot of energy I think around like oh you know I'm in my 70s but like like 70 is the new 40 you know and I think that just does such a disservice to the experience so like to me elderhood is where you're 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 what you've done you know you're taking all this experience things you did that you wish perhaps which you hadn't done um pain all those things but it, it makes you a larger person who has a lot more to contribute yes yeah i think um just getting to know yourself more and more with each decade of life is is really what it's all about. Okay. And once you know yourself, and if you have found compassion, yes, and you know now looking more at curiosity. For, wow, that's really interesting. Um, you know, in my reactions or something, then um, then you're you're really living like you mentioned earlier a full life if you allow it you know it doesn't mean you have to accomplish a lot although my feeling about that is if you open to your heart it'll lead you right where you need to write what you need to exactly what you need to accomplish um agreed and it may be things that like you say aren't particularly valued in our in our um fundamentalist patriarchal society and so it people like you and and me 
I think we're 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 rewriting that story. We're we're transforming yeah. that story for ourselves and for others. I think so, yeah. In in yeah. our community. So um and I don't I love being an elder. I mean, I'm, I'm in the third act of my life. I'm I'm a crone. I grew my hair witchy I and long. Know. I just that was part of my um when I started writing my book, I'm like, I wanna you know, look like a elderly, <laughs> wild kind of woman. <laughs> Cause I was in corporate. I was in corporate yes, like yes. for decades. Yeah, I get it. And in human resources, you're supposed to button up, you know, and yeah, and play the role. And ugh, that was <laughs> that was lovely to get out of all that. So yeah, I can relate. And then yeah, and just being allowed the privilege to create. Yeah. Amazing. I just love how um, I I, like, for some reason, it didn't like fully strike me um, about sort of this, this gift and and path of nature that you've been on. Um, But when you were talking about like, exploring the ravines and seeing the frogs and things like that, and that really helped like sort of awaken in me that sense of wonder that you get when you're out in other than human nature and um it's like really cool (laughs) it is it's very that's what the way I just said that was so inelegant but um it I I really relate I relate really well and I find my on a personal level um I find that when I am in the natural world and other than human natural world so just with whatever animals are around the plants and the trees and everything um it it really it, it soothes my soul I don't know how else I can say that but it seems to really help me um it it, it kind of like returns my perspective to me mm-hmm. You know, it gives me a sense of what's really important, what's not important. And um, and I have the mountain, the mountains here too. And the mountains are always um the Rocky Mountains for me are very they're huge. They have been growing for millions of years, so they're really, really old. And if you look at them as you're driving down a, a highway, you can actually see the layers, the rock layers. Um, Mm. so you can see the way the mountain was sort of pushed up out and pushed out and up and it's I just find it to be um, it's so beyond anything we as humans can do but we can appreciate it yes and I like that you're bringing up kind of reading between the lines but that in everyday life we have all of this you don't have to go out on a vision quest you just have to notice and take a moment to be contemplative yes um good point with what's around you yeah so um that has come up before that you and as we age these things like vision questing um become much more challenging i still go out but it has changed a lot since what since the first time when I was 50. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just make it work, you know? Yeah. 
But I've had some amazing things happen. Yeah. Out there. I mean, it's just. I'm, there's it's in my book. <laughs> I, I want to say read the book now. But, um, you know, just encounters with coyotes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Snakes, nice. um, black widow spiders, you know, just all kinds of birds. So many birds. Um, yeah. A lot yeah. of bird lore. Any deer? deer. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're always so magical to me. They're so quiet. Yeah. They're very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I did also notice that little part in the book about how I think your 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 guide had said something like, I don't, it, it was something like if you're, I don't know, like right with nature or something, the spiders and scorpions will leave you alone. <laughs> well, yeah, that if you're you're a guest in their world, yeah. that's what we're talking about. And if you move slowly and you pay attention and you're mindful, you will probably be okay because they, you know, they, they really don't want to get stepped on or they will get out of the way. That's true. They do have a self-interest in staying away from you, don't they? Yeah, they do. (laughs) Unfortunately, I guess. Fortunately for things like rattlesnakes, but unfortunately for some other things that are so afraid of us. Although I have had experiences where being out you know, for several days, you, you can um, get very quiet inside. Mm-hmm. And it feels like uh, the animals are much less afraid. I've had some pretty close, lovely encounters just by sitting once with yes. an antelope. And yeah, it feels magical, doesn't it? Yeah, because they're curious too. Yes, especially deer and antelope and um coyotes I mean they're curious I've had some up close encounters with deer and coyote and um I it always feels magical I don't feel afraid I feel fascinated that like they're so different from us um and then and on on the other hand they're so like us yes right and you know this idea of these intelligences that we don't understand or relate to because they're not the same kind of brain intelligence um I, in December, I did a guided psilocybin journey. Mm-hmm. It's legal here in Oregon. And when the guide said to me, the therapist said, the mushrooms have an innate intelligence mm-hmm. that'll go right to the core of where you need to be healed. Oh, and that turned out to be true. But that's the kind of intelligence that we right. we can't, it's such a leap of faith, but I love the magic of that. I do too. Right. It also, I think it's a reminder for me that um, it's very easy as a human being in our very technical world to feel very, um, to feel really isolated, you know, to feel very isolated and very, um, I think, up against kind of like everything, you know, sometimes it feels very much like, you know, me versus the world. And I think one of the things in, in my own healing journey that has been maybe one of the most um, gratifying has been realizing that actually there's there's a very vibrant web that surrounds us mm-hmm. and that we are deeply connected with. Um, and, but it, it, we do have to kind of make a decision and make an effort to get out of our, our sort of our human way of perception. Yeah. 
And, um, and I feel like that's sort of what you're talking about is, is mm -hmm. I, and I, I think the more aware and the more connected you feel, um, it, it makes you feel very resource. Uh, it's made a huge difference for me on a person. Yes. You don't feel yeah. like, you know, you still have that sense of being an individual, but you, you feel like. There are other things you may not be able to see them or name them, but they have a stake in you. They, they, you know, they have a stake in, they, I, I, I hate the word, want you to succeed. That's, that's, a, that's like not what I want to say, but they, 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 they do care. They are, they're interested. And um, it makes me, it gives me a, a bit more sense of, Mm, not responsibility exactly, but but certainly that I I have more of a, an effect in, and should be aware of that effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and a symbiotic relationship. Um, yeah, with all beings, if we allow it. Um, certainly on the on the quest, um, I feel that you know when I'm out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel it a lot. Um, and it does hold over. And, um, you know, I have a lovely little garden here. And, yeah. and so I can I can feel it here, too. Yeah. But there's, you know, fasting. Part of vision questing is fasting. And so you, you're in an altered state of consciousness. And your senses are on high alert because you're basically starving. Mm -hmm. So your body is saying, pay attention to what you see. Pay attention to what you can smell. Uh, pay attention to what you hear because you need food. You know, it's it's kind of biological part of it. But being in that state has just really opened me up to understanding exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. life wants to live itself. So there's something about life and, and the love. Um, yeah, it's so hard to put into words, but the drive for life to live itself mm -hmm. is, a, is a loving gesture in a way, mm -hmm. if if that makes sense. Um, like I say, it's not easy for me to put it into words okay. because so much of it happens somatically right. or just right. in the felt sense of the gut brain and the heart brain. Yes. And when you try to put words from with the mind brain, it doesn't <laughs> always work very well. Sometimes I hear myself and I think, oh my gosh, that sounds so grandiose, but it feels grandiose a lot yes. of the time to yeah. be out. And I think too, what you're talking about are things where sometimes you just have to have the experience. I, I, sus I suspect most human beings can relate at some level. Yeah. You know, I hope. <laughs> yeah. So, um. One of the other things, you know, I, I really have a great appreciation of you because you, you, you work and you play at this, in this really cool intersection of both like art, creative art, if you will, and then healing arts. And I, I wanted to, if, if you could share a couple, maybe, you know, one or two examples, um, you had mentioned earlier um, I, I, I wrote it in such a way I will not be able to pronounce it, but it is a Japanese, is it a ceremony? It's a healing yes. ceremony. Yeah. Yes. Kintsugi. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I think that's a really beautiful 
uh, example of, of the work you do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Kintsugi is an ancient Japanese art form that um, holds the philosophy that something damaged can still be beautiful in its imperfection. It's sort of a wabi-sabi notion. And um, the legend is that uh, an emperor, an ancient emperor broke his favorite tea bowl and asked his craftsmen to fix it. And they put big ugly staples in it and he was furious and he threw it in the garbage and a janitor found it and lovingly um, put it back together using tree resin and gold powder so mm -hmm. that the, all the fault lines of the cracks is, cracks are it with gold. And so you've probably seen Kintsugi vessels before. Um, there's there's a lot of them out there and many, many of them in, in Japanese culture, of course. And so I watched this little video about it and I was so intrigued because I felt that this idea of our broken hearts mm, mm. can be mended with gold, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and that there's potential for beauty there. And yes, um, mm -hmm. I, I call it kintsugi breaking and mending where grief, gratitude and beauty coexist. Mm. Mm. And so um, our ceremony is we um, choose a bowl. I bring bowls in and, Everyone chooses their bowl and we share what's whole in us that can never be broken. And then we engage in a tea ceremony. And then we break our bowls. We say what has broken our heart. And then we break the bowl with a lovely heart-shaped rock that I have. Mm. And then we... Um, do shortcuts because the original process took weeks. The original Kintsugi, you can watch it uh, on YouTube. It's lovely to see, but it takes weeks. Right. So we shortcut, you know how we Americans like our shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> and we glue guns, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> glue the, the pieces together and then we paint the lines with gold. And I wish I had one up here to show you, but um, you can it's go so online with them. And then we there's some journal prompts and sharing what they see in their bowl and how what it tells them about grief and gratitude and beauty and life and forgiveness and um it can it can really release a lot of um beautiful emotion and and tenderness in people um you know we're all carrying so much grief yes yes and we get the opportunity in a safe environment to share that it it can be it can be very healing and um so i love doing it i've done many many of them i'm i'm actually going to do one for a birthday party so okay. we aren't going to not going to be about grief it's going to be about the about aging the blessings cool. of aging and the like you know yeah so it's really cool yeah it's it's a lovely ceremony um it, yeah, I'm. I feel really privileged and honored to to bring that. I can yeah. understand that. Yeah, and it, we also talk about Akalandishvari, 
Akalandishvari is a Hindu goddess. She's the never not broken goddess. Oh. Yeah. So Akalandishvari, she breaks apart and she comes back together and she falls apart again and she comes back together again. It's a constant cycle. Mm -hmm. And mending and just the acceptance that everything is temporary and everything's yes. going to fall apart. Truth. Yes, that is very true. That is. Yeah. Very so yeah thank you for asking about that it's yeah my website has some pictures too yeah um tell me a little bit about soul collage um that is something that you are a facilitator of and yes um although i have not yet done soul collage i have always been very intrigued by it just the name itself soul collage just mm -hmm like feels really good um, because I like collage a lot and um, it just something about it just really appeals to me. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So collage was developed in the seventies um, by a woman named Sina Frost. She was a therapist um, in the California Bay area and she was using imagery for her clients for them to express what they really couldn't say in words, but they could express through imagery. And she developed this process. Um, and in soul collage, you kind of make your own uh, oracle deck. Cool. So, yeah. I love that idea. So, yeah, awesome. it's very And she actually created four different suits. I don't use that process. Um, she has a book out, which goes into a lot of detail, but I, I like to stay in my right brain with it. And if I start yeah. categorizing, it just gets too um, yeah, constricted for me. Right. So we make um, five by eight cards and you can do uh, a soul collage card, just tabula rosa, you know, blank slate with nothing in mind. You just look through images and whatever you're attracted to, you cut them out and place them on your card, or you can do it with an intention. Mm -hmm. So in February here at my studio, um, I do so collage gatherings every month, and we did Tending Your Heart oh, nice. for the theme of Valentine's. And so people, Beautiful. we did a heart meditation, and then people um, made a card for their for their heart, oh, you know, great. their heart. Nice. Yeah. And then once you make the card, that's the art part is collaging and gluing and deciding what goes together in, intuitively as best you can. Then we read the card to see what the message the soul wants to tell us. Um, that's based on the premise that you are choosing what's mirrored inside you. Mm -hmm. The images you're attracted to are a reflection of, of what your soul wants to express. And so Nice. The traditional way to read the card is by speaking from the image. Like if I had my card and I had an image of a um, coyote, I would speak from the coyote and coyote would say, I am the one who. Mm. And coyote might say, I am the one who is tricky, intelligent, resourceful, and magical. Mm -hmm. I am one who mm. will stop nice. and look at you and, you know, goes on and on and then you're interpreting kind of oh that's I'm talking about myself too mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah so um 
we do all kinds of readings in all kinds of different ways. It's really fun to make it your own as a facilitator. That and so great. it really does. Um, the thing that you wanted, like the thing that you said that like just made me feel like joyful, as you said, you choose what you are attracted to. And that yeah. just made me feel so happy because um, even I, I am a visual artist as well. And I really struggle with perfectionism. It gets me all the time. And um, I just love the idea that you can just go, go for the images that just make you feel good or just spark something in you. And it doesn't have to be the right image because it's more like if you're attracted to it, it is the right image, right? Right, exactly. I love that. Uh, yeah. And um, sometimes I'll invite people to make a card in seven minutes to kind of get past that idea of that it has to yeah. be perfect or it has to be just right. Because I have probably over 300 cards now. Oh, I'm sure. And you and I pull them sometimes, not all of them, but I'll take some and use them as an oracle deck. You know, what do I need to pay attention to today? Right, right. But yeah, so it's amazing. So cool. Thank you, Judy. I've been doing so collage for about 13 years now. I look forward it's, to learning more about it. Yeah, good. Me too. Yeah. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit. What do you... What do you still feel like you come up against? Um, because I like you are someone who has done a lot of personal growth. You have clearly have so much self-knowledge. What are things like even now that, you know, maybe feel like a developmental edge for you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> just, just oh, <laughs> I just have to laugh because there's so much. Yeah, you know? I got it. I got it. I mean, the more you know, the more you know what you don't know, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, lately, lately, I've I've had this awareness. Um, I came across something called the gene keys. Okay. Which are 64 um patterns that are well, the idea is your DNA holds patterning of behavior yes and it's it's very complicated but it talks about that okay and it's also related to the I Ching the 64 hexagrams of yeah, the I Ching. Yeah. yeah yeah I was kind of wondering so this, about that yeah so I, I went online and did the free test and uh what I learned which I mean it's so obvious but the way that was described I could really relate was that one of my shadow sides is greed Oh, interesting. Yeah, wow. and not greed necessarily in terms of um, money, or, but greed in terms of um, shortcuts, wanting to do it all, wanting to um, uh, yes. live the most juicy, full life I can. So okay. it's not a bad thing. I mean, the way he just, it's yeah. his name is read and he's a fascinating guy but the way he describes it as greed isn't necessary human behavior it's you right. know through the centuries of our ancestors we had to have some greed to get food and right so it just transitioned this whole idea for me and i'll catch myself mm -hmm. i don't want to read the whole thing i want to get to the bottom line 
I want the knowledge so that I can move on. Yeah, no, um, I, I, so that's I one that. that I'm working with right now is okay. I'm 72. I'm not going to be able to do all this forever. I'm loving what I'm doing. My life is fuller than it's ever been and more fulfilling than it's ever been. And um, maybe my next growth edge is, is a little bit more peace mm. around mm. Um, not still having to accomplish so much. I am my mother's daughter. That to-do list. Yeah, uh, no, I hear you. Oh, just keeps me going. It's, it's so funny, that's a pretty yeah. interesting question. Um, and of course, there are other things, but that's that's, that's the answer. one. I, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. answer. I, that was not what I expected, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, no, it's really interesting. And and I I I, you know, I think that these patterns, if you will, they're contextual, right? They yes, can be good. They can they can not be good, um, but it it tends to be the context, right? In which yeah, in which they're we're using them, um, because like as you um, you know, like a, a thing that comes up for me that is people pleasing, right? This comes up for a lot of women. I I'm sure you cannot sure. relate at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> And um, another growth edge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that I, I had the realization of at some point was that, yeah, you know, it isn't good when we are uh, kind of like negating ourselves. Right. So like mm -hmm. when we're doing something like when we're saying yes to something and we're also saying no to ourselves at the same time. But I've mm. also realized that there is a part of me that like, you know, I like making people happy. It's just kind of who I am. I like delighting people. I like making people laugh. I like when somebody sees my art and it makes them happy. And that is not, that's not a bad thing. That's very, that's a very sweet, you know, that's a very sweet, um, like character trait, I think, to Take, take pleasure in the pleasure of others yeah. um but it it is just like I I've just myself have been very you know just kind of like yeah I make curious about it I think maybe that's a good way to be mm -hmm. yeah 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 just kind of playing with the edges of that and mm -hmm. um the joy of it and also the questioning of is that, do I really want to do that? You know, do I really, yeah. is what I'm saying to this person, what's really true? Or yeah. is it such an automatic pattern habit for me? Yeah. But that's another thing about aging, about becoming a septuagenarian. <laughs> I love that word. Um, yeah. I don't know how far this will go, but that my sensors are not as intact as they used to be. And sometimes I just say it right out. Uh, and then the, the 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 trick there, the challenge there is saying it was, was love and kindness, but also having it be true. That's another place where the edge, you know, to curiosity about the edge of that. So yeah, people pleasing. Um, I think it's just been associated with an, a feminine, an undesirable feminine trait. Exactly. 
And I don't, I, I like what you're saying. I don't, it's contextual, like you said. Right, exactly. And yeah, we all want to be, we all want to be liked. We all want to be belong. It's um, our, it's a really important part of our human DNA. We're, we're social creatures and we want to belong and we want to feel esteemed by other people. That's how you stay in the tribe. Right. right? They don't, you're not, right. they, don't, they don't feed you to the, the tigers or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, you were talking about matriarch, matri becoming a matriarch. Mm -hmm. Then I think you do get permission more. To, when you when you start to age and you've shown some wisdom, I think you are not as likely to get you know ostracized because you're an old lady. You're, you're an old lady. You have valuable experience and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to some extent. So I like that. I like to think I like to think that anyway. No, I I, I like that too. Um, is there anything else we have not talked about so far that you would really love to talk about? Oh. Hmm. Um, I can't think of anything, Judy, but I'm enjoying our conversation yeah, where it kind here. of just sort of leads, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've talked about my book. We've talked about my art. You've been so gracious with your questioning and giving me the opportunity to um, hear myself talk about these things that are so important to me. And, and um, yeah, it's just when we find our, I don't, I think purpose is an overused word, but when we find our heart's delight and we're good at it, yeah. it's easy yeah. and it's fun Yes. And people feel it. People feel that agreed that magnetism of it. Yes, they do. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Um, yeah. Like one of the things, I don't know if it's my heart's delight. I, I have a real love of connection. I love connecting mm -hmm. with other people. I love connecting mm -hmm. with ideas. I love connecting. I like connecting people with each other. Yeah. Um, and so my interest in marketing is has kind of come out of that um, because I see marketing is such an awful world. <laughs> Everybody, so many people who are in the healing and arts and that that type of thing are like, oh my god, please don't talk about marketing. Um, but but what I want to say about that is that one of the most important, I don't know if I want to call it a tool or a strategy because it really doesn't fit. But really the best thing you can do to, let's, let's just call it connecting with the people who really, really want to know what you are doing um, and who, when they find out about you, they're really happy and they want more. Um, the best thing you can do is to really connect deeply with that heart's delight. Because as you said, people feel it. They sense yeah. it. And there is that feeling of like, oh, like like my heart, like when you talked about that Japanese ceremony, like my heart was just like, yeah, I really want to do that. Or when you were talking about soul collage, like I could just feel myself like, I really want to do that. Like that just sounds, yeah, yeah I really <laughs> want to do that. So good. Yeah. yeah. You'll get the chance. I know. 
You know, originally, um, questing as an Indigenous rite of passage was for the individual to go out and discover that part of themselves that would be unique to them that they would then bring back to the tribe. Mm, I love the that. community for survival because That's the community needed people good at everything. Yes. And so yes. at the transition point of adolescence, yes. go out and find your vision and bring it back and bring it to the tribe and you know incorporate it. You don't just talk about it. Really a big part of the quest experience is to incorporate what you've learned. So so much better than getting, going out and getting drunk, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rite of passage. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I do. Way Turning better. 21 and getting that. I love that. I know. I really like, I really wish that I had like a, I, anyway, that's like a, yet another thing that our, our culture is in great need of is these, these rites of passage, meaningful rites, rites of passage. passage. Well, becoming an elder, you know, that's a rite of passage too. It is a rite of passage. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, yeah. Did you do you feel that you had an opportunity to have some ritual in yourself becoming an elder? Well, I've created it for myself. Yeah, especially on questing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something to write about. For Maybe. Book number two. No, I mean, seriously, just because I, I yeah. do feel, um, and I'm sure there are things out there, but just thinking to my, thinking out loud here that um, I cannot think of, like, if I were like, I'm looking for a way to, you know, kind of like mark this passage or this transition into my own elderhood. And I really, I like, I nothing comes to mind in terms of like, well, what would I do? Or who would I talk to? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that feels like a potentially very potent thing if it appeals to you or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when I became a grandmother, three of us became grandmothers the same time of year. And they gave us a grandma shower, a grandma baby shower. It was cute. I just thought of that. That's not exactly what you're talking about, but um, yeah. Eldering. I'm, that's you almost need a community to help with you I think you do I absolutely think you do yeah something to think about yeah something to think about for sure yeah something to muse over or contemplate so so Glenda um I am hoping that as people are listening to this they're thinking I really want to get to know this woman I want to get to know her work so what are some ways, like what, what are like, like maybe one or two really easy ways for them to find out more about you and your work? Probably my website, which is just my name. Okay. Okay. Glenda Goodrich. Yeah. And your book's on Amazon and the name of your my book. On Amazon is Solo Passage, 13 Quests, 13 Questions. And those are probably the easiest. I do Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, but not everybody is participating in those anymore. Yeah. For good, for good reason. reason. Yeah. <laughs> I do want but you can... to know that when I went on Amazon and I typed your name in, your book came out right away. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's really so, good. Yes. And people could email me, Judy. I'd love to hear, you know, if somebody 
has a question. Or, and my email address is Glenda Ann, G-L-E-N-D-A-A-N-N-E at msn.com. Okay. And I will include this information. There will be a blog post um, that Great. is um, connected to the podcast so people can get more information there as well. Thank Great. You so Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Likewise. Mm-hmm. <laughs>